This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Following a 2-0 start to Big 12 play, Kansas State heads back on the road as the Wildcats will face a tough test in Ames, Iowa on Saturday night against Iowa State at Jack Trice Stadium. The game kicks off at 6.30 and will be televised nationally on ESPNU. The Wildcats are coming off a 37-28 victory at home over Texas Tech, while Iowa State dropped to 3-2 on the season after a tough and disappointing 14 to 11 decision at Kansas special teams let down the Cyclones and led to defeat and it led us to this matchup it is Farmageddon hey everyone I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com and welcome to another edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company this contest has heated up into an interesting little rivalry between to ag schools that are kind of the heart and soul, part of the heart and soul, at least of the Big 12, certainly the new Big 12. Iowa State and the corn and Kansas State and the wheat. It's a lot of fun on social media as the two families that are so similar in fan bases, K-State and Iowa State, bicker back and forth. On today's show, we're going to break down everything you need to know about Saturday night's game in Ames between the Cats and Clones. We will start, of course, with our own Ryan Wallace who covers recruiting for us, which means he covers a lot of Iowa State recruiting too because these programs overlap. But today's topic is his help in team coverage as the Cats and Clones are an interesting pairing on the field this season. We will get into that shortly with Wally, who is standing by. In the second half of the show, we will have our player interview. I'm not telling you right now who it is. You got to stay tuned. And then we'll bring in our football analyst, Brian Hanley, to break down this game from a former player's perspective. And of course, Big B was an offensive lineman for the Cats on those historic 97 and 98 K-State teams leading the way up front for Mr. Michael Bishop behind him. And then, of course, we wrap the show up with Ryan Gilbert. He just talks gambling, sports betting. He's our expert at Go Powercat. He does it a lot himself, and he also helps me. Not enough, may I also add. But he really knows his stuff, and that's how we end every show, along with my one key to remember for the game. But we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And now we start our journey into this game between the Cats and Clones. 6.30 up in Ames, as I mentioned earlier, by bringing in Ryan Wallace. Wally, I tried to watch the Iowa State KU game, um, but as a person who loves college football, I couldn't get through much of it. That was really ugly, but that was exactly what Iowa State needed to do against that Kansas offense, and then they couldn't quite finish it because they didn't have enough offense or special teams. That wasn't at all what I expected from that game. I thought it'd be high scoring, but let's give me your thoughts on that KU-Iowa State game that has really put Iowa State in a bad position. You know, what's interesting about Iowa State is I think everybody coming into this year understood that it was going to be a different kind of year for the Cyclones. You don't lose a Brock Purdy and a Brees Hall on offense. And then, you know, on the other side, a Mike Rose 
and immediately rebound. Very few teams can can do that. And so I think everybody knew that that it was going to be maybe a little bit of a step back for the Cyclones. But honestly, Fitz, and I'm with you, I mean, it was an ugly game to watch, but we're talking about a handful of special teams mistakes away from Iowa State being four and one. <laughs> and and are we then looking at this team in a whole different light? It's interesting because it's it's uncharacteristic stuff of things that we've seen Matt Campbell teams be that that kind of is holding this team back. I mentioned special teams, not just missed field goals, but I think they muffed what a punt and a kickoff in that game. They had another where there was the halo rule that, that ended up giving Kansas a fresh set of down. So just uncharacteristic stuff that that's gotten Iowa state in this predicament. And yet at the same time, I don't know that they're maybe as bad uh, as, as they would appear to some folks. Again, Fitz, the, the good news for K-State heading into this weekend at, at Iowa State in this night game in Ames is, as I've been saying all off season, and I, I still feel like it'll hold true, this is an Iowa State team you'd much rather have early on in your schedule than later in the year when some of these inexperienced guys are starting to you know, kind of get their feet up. Before we fully get into Iowa State, I, I just want to ask you this. I look at what Iowa State's going through this year, and I see possibly what could be going on with K-State Next year, you lose so many weapons on both sides of the ball and you got to retool. I think it's a cautionary tale what's going on with the Cyclones because it might be coming for the Wildcats. It's funny you say that because I've been looking at Iowa State and kind of looking at the roster turnover, and I suspected it was kind of similar to what we saw in Manhattan from 2012 to 2013. And Bill Snyder was able to replace some of those greats, you know, Colin Klein and Arthur Brown, with some other guys that ended up being good, you know, let's look at Jake Waters, for instance, but needed some time in 2013 before they really came into their own in 2014. I, I think you're spot on. Well, let's start with maybe what is the biggest replacement of all for any program, really. It's that quarterback with Hunter Decker has taken over Brock Purdy, and he's completing around 70% of his passes, but boy, he didn't look comfortable very often against Kansas. He's left-handed. He's big. He can run. Chris Kleiman pointed out that they wanted him. They recruited him and went another direction, but they like him an awful lot. What are your thoughts on Hunter Deckers? I think he is, maybe just because of experience, a huge downgrade at quarterback in terms of Brock Purdy always kind of made a play, particularly against Kansas State. I, I don't see that from Deckers, but he is completing 70% of those throws. Yeah, I love Deckers coming out of high school. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the fact that, that K-State recruited him. Really, had it not been for Will Howard committing Ahead of Hunter Deckers, uh, I think, you know, had K-State missed on Howard, they probably would have pivoted and Deckers would have been that next option for them. Worked out, K-State got Howard, Deckers pretty quickly committed to Iowa State thereafter. And, and I, let's be honest, I think he was probably favoring the Cyclones anyhow. But um, he's a really polished passer and he can do some things, um, not Patrick Mahomes-like with his arm, but you can see him kind of contort his throwing motion at times to fit it into certain windows but I also thought it was interesting and, and maybe a hint, a little bit, a subtle hint at the game plan from Chris Kleiman and maybe Joe Klanerman's defense is as, as comfortable as he can be as a passer. And at times, as we've seen Iowa State get in rhythms when the, the few times this season where this offense has really been clicking, he can be lethal. But he's very uncomfortable in terms of pocket pressure. And I thought it was interesting again, midweek hearing Chris Kleiman say, you know, he's not something to the effect of, you know, he's, he's not a runner or, or he can run, but in other words, saying like, we're, we're going to bring some heat is the way I took it. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that wants to sit in the pocket, assess the situation, make a proper throw. He's not comfortable um, getting out of the pocket, uh, extending plays, throwing on the run. So I, I, I don't know if it's, I, I took it as a, a subtle hint of maybe what K-State wants to do to Hunter Deckers. And that's really get him out of a comfort zone. Cause I do think in time, I don't know if he can be Brock Purdy, um, but I, I do think in time, he's going to be a quality big 12 quarterback, but he's really catching up to the speed of the game. Our Cole Carmody mentioned in a text message to our GPC group that Matt Campbell said he thinks his offensive line is playing okay, and then 
Cole goes back and watches the KU game, and I feel the same way. I thought they were awful against Kansas. I don't know if Kansas has got an overwhelming pass rush or what, but they could not keep KU out of that backfield. And Deckers just wasn't ever settled in, can't get his feet settled. I I think you're right. I think they're just going to come after him. I don't think they'll go full out, but they showed a little bit of that last week by walking Khalid Duke up to the line of scrimmage. This is going to be, Chris Kleiman kept saying it, it's going to be a chess match. They're going to change some things, and we need to change some things too. But I think K-State is going to come after Deckers until he proves he can perform under pressure. It's similar uh, when you look at these two schools uh, so far this season. Statistically, it's the two worst Big 12 scoring offenses going against the two best Big 12 scoring defenses. And, uh, you know, as far as the pressure goes, uh, again, getting back to what you were just hinting at that that Cole mentioned, I think, you know, the two tackles, the, the interior of Iowa State's line are familiar faces. Trevor Downing is a legit dude at center, one of the best in the Big 12 and has been. Um, Simmons at guard is a guy that's got a lot of experience. Their interior is fine. They're really missing tackles right now. This, this year, that's where it seems like the pressure is really coming from. This should be a game tailor-made for Felix Anudike Uzama. For a guy like Khalid Duke, who, thank God, we've been clamoring, <laughs> send him forward. Yes. Stop sending him into coverage, and look what happens against against Texas Tech. I know Iowa State, you know, Rimsburg is a tackle that they've wanted to start from day one. He missed the first three games, and they've kind of been getting him up to speed the last two weeks. He didn't play against Baylor, did get a couple snaps against KU. I don't know if he's going to be full go for this one. Either way, I still like Duke and Felix and Yudike Uzama in this one. And again, another thing that's hurting this Iowa State offense is, you know, not only are there protection issues, not only do you have a freshman quarterback, but they're also dealing with the fact that they've got two running backs right now that sound like they're day-to-day questionable heading into this one. And you saw that. It's really hurt and hampered this offense. If they can't get a guy like Brock or Norton, his backup back for this one, it, again, it, it, it forces this offense for Iowa state to be, you know, even more one dimensional. And it, it just that lands even more in the favor of this K state defense. It's so good. Yeah. Jarrell Brock is averaging about 13 carries a game, 72 yards a game. He's been their main ball carrier. But when you talk about this offense, It's not a running back like it has been or a quarterback like it kind of has been. It's a receiver and Xavier Hutchinson that you've got to worry the most about. I think probably the K-State receivers are going to ask him in pregame, how do you get targeted so often? He's averaging 10 catches a game, 100 yards a game, and a touchdown. He can go deep. He can go under. He can match up with a corner and beat him or a safety and fry him. This is a trouble. This this guy's trouble. And another reason why you got to get some pressure on Deckers and don't let him get comfortable. Absolutely. He's damn good, Fitz. I mean, he, really and he good. has been. I mean, he's, he's not somebody that's an unfamiliar name in, in Big 12 circles. So the good news is, and, and I mentioned this earlier in the week during a, an appearance with SiriusXM, is I think two of the guys that maybe we – and maybe it's because we all assumed this from them, but that we're not really applauding maybe the way we should is Julius Prince and Echo Boydo. Um, it, it, I'm not nervous about Xavier Hutchinson because of the way those two guys have played to this point uh, against you know Oklahoma receivers and Texas Tech receivers that um, are, are really good and then really strong units in this conference. So uh, if there is an area of concern, I guess for me, again, if you're going to allow Deckers to get into a groove, Iowa state made a killing last year over the middle. And granted they had two tight ends that, that are no longer on this roster that allowed them to do that, but they found kind of a, an area right in front of that middle safety, the Jack that K state plays and just tormented K state's defense all all game long in Manhattan last year. Uh, that would be an area that I would be more concerned than Xavier Hutchinson on the outside. We'll see if Iowa State decides to attack that same area again on Saturday night. Well, they certainly haven't used their tight ends to the degree they did last year, but that's probably a commentary more on the quality of the guys in the past. The other side of the ball is a huge concern for Kansas State. KU comes in with one of the most productive offenses 
in college football. You can question the defenses that they faced to that point in the season. But then Iowa State rolls into Lawrence, holds them to 14 points, which we can all agree is enough to get you the victory, but it wasn't on this day. This defense presents the three-man front and the three linebackers that K-State does. But also, again, as Chris Kleiman pointed out, what they do behind that is a little bit different, and they do a good job taking away the quarterback run game with Jalen Daniels. But what I saw KU have success with was a running game that stretched the field horizontally. They would go outside, then come inside. They would run the speed option to the edge and make sure everyone's ready to pursue outside, but then come right back to the inside. They really mixed it up. They did a nice job with what they had, but running the ball to the degree Kansas State has been able to do so is going to be exceedingly difficult against this defense. You're going to have to throw the ball on Saturday night. Um, and and that, when we say stretch the field fits, and I'm with you, I would clarify we're not talking about airing it out for 60-yard passes. We're, it's about you know moving the chains little by little and keeping a defense honest through that dimension of your offense. And you know Iowa State, they've got guys up front. Will McDonald is extremely good. Orion Vance is a guy that you know has played significant snaps um, and is a. a, a difference maker at linebacker and Anthony Johnson, you know, even though he's moved from corner to safety still has a ton of experience. So they've got guys at, at every level. What's interesting about this defense is that there isn't one guy that really stands out statistically. If you look at big 12 stat numbers for sacks, tackles for loss, not really seeing anybody for Iowa state. And yet this defense continues to just be solid And I think that, you know, is just a a pat on the back to how good defense coordinator John Heacock is. He knows the 3-3-5. And if we're being honest, I think K-State doesn't want to admit it. They probably stole quite a bit from John Heacock. But again, yeah, it's it's just different variations, certainly. But uh, he's so good. What Iowa State's dealing with, and your assessment of what KU did is spot on because I saw it uh, as well from Baylor's offense. This is a young defense. They've got a lot of kids starting that are either redshirt freshmen, sophomores, true freshmen at safety, uh, and guys that K-State would have loved to have. <laughs> uh, they've, they've been killing K-State in recruiting, and there's a lot of guys playing significant snaps on this defense that K-State would love to be developing themselves in Manhattan. But because of that, Fitz, um, they're really susceptible to, as you said, like misdirection. They over-pursue or they, they over-read things a lot. And you saw uh, Baylor do a lot of misdirection where they're going to feed the whole line one way and then counter the opposite direction. And Iowa State's defense would just bite over and over. That's an easy way, I think, for Colin Klein to take a note from KU. Uh, We've talked about how KU and K-State, their offensive philosophies are not that different. But for some reason, KU's been able to kind of get creative um, with their formations and similar alignments. This is a great opportunity for Colin Klein to get the passing offense going with simple things like misdirection, play action, Get these Iowa State young defenders to bite a little bit, and uh, it'll open some things up without the wide receivers having to do it themselves. Well, Will McDonald probably is the guy you need to worry about the most on this this defense. You mentioned, though, his numbers aren't huge because they're so much – uh, less effective at other positions. It might be a polite way of saying it that people can double team him. They can focus on him and take him out, but he is a headache. Um, I, I will be very interested to watch how K state attempts to run the ball against what Iowa state is attempting to do and how quickly does K state go to the passing game. It might be immediate because Chris Kleiman did admit in the Tuesday interview, we got to throw the ball. And he sees it. He knows that eventually someone's going to come up with an answer that will require throwing the ball and not just doing something different in the run game. Can Kansas State and Adrian McDonald, McDonald, Adrian Martinez flip the switch and get it going again in the passing game? I mean, this is the week to, to do it. This is the week to try and experiment and explore a little bit more with it. Because, again, I think you've got a defense that um, – you know, they're active and they can, they can create some turnovers, but they can, they can get burned too. Um, it's, it's not all that different from a Texas tech defense. They can have some good and, and they'll have some bad, but 
we have to see this offense be a little bit more complete. And I get, uh, and I've heard it all week that, well, when you're running the ball for 350 yards, who says you got to, you got to throw it. Well, eventually that's going to catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sent it out in our text message group this week, Fitz, just because I was curious. K-State currently is, is dead last by a significant margin in just about every collective team passing category in the big 12. The goal, and I think we've seen flashes in these last two weeks, that this team is capable of winning and competing for a Big 12 title this season. Do you know the last time a Power 5, current Power 5 conference team won their conference title with having the worst passing offense? It was 2009, I think. We're talking Terrell Pryor and Ohio State. Years and years and years ago. Um, It just, the odds of it happening aren't good. So K-State really needs to, again, get something going in that department. It doesn't have to be air raidish. It's just about keeping defenses honest and, and giving a little bit more relief to Adrian Martinez's legs, to Deuce Vaughn's legs. Um, it, it's, it's imperative. And I, again, I think this is a good week to try it out. And I'm curious Fitz to see if K-State does win that coin toss and they do again, opt not to defer. They say, we'll take the ball. I'm with you. Are we going to see Colin Klein just say, no, I want to see if Iowa state can man up with us toe to toe in the ground game. Or do we see K-State come out and air it out? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating part of the game. I'm I'm really excited to see, yeah, from the opening toss on down the line, how Kansas State treats this game in terms of what type of threat maybe Iowa State brings. And this is a pretty good Iowa State team. This is a team that is not far off being unbeaten, but they are 3-2. and two. However, Wally, they're at home. And they're always better at home. (laughs) And they get the magical night game, which is somehow uh, brings out mystical powers in Ames, particularly when you put the team in black, which is not a school color, I want to point out. But um, (laughs) they're bringing it all. They got the night game from ESPNU. They're going to wear their all blacks. The the crowd is going to be nuts. Uh, I get to walk across the new bridge to get to the stadium because our press parking's across the bridge. I'm so excited about that. This is going to be a fun atmosphere, but K-State's got to find a way to keep that crowd calmed down like they did in Norman. A new bridge fits, but still the old decrepit press box. Funny yeah, how, that, weird. how that works. Uh, <laughs> um, you're absolutely right, though, about Ames. I mean, this is going to be a competitive game. I, I would be surprised if it got out of hand in either direction. It feels like a game that's going to be competitive. And largely some of that just is because, again, it's it's this nighttime magic of Ames. It's true. If you go back and you look at how Iowa State has played in Ames in Big 12 play, prior to them losing this season against Baylor, their last home loss in Big 12 play was on October 26th of 2019. They were 4-1 in 2018, 4-1 in 2019, 5-0 in the COVID year of 2020, and 4-0 in 2021. So then they're bringing out the black uniforms, as you said, which unlike K-State, they play really good in that combination. I think I saw where they're something like 7-1. I think the only time they've been defeated since they started wearing the all-blacks was in either the 2019, I think, Big 12 championship against Oklahoma. So they've got a lot kind of going for them. It's a, it's a tough place to play. But in saying that, again, I, I feel like K-State's got a little bit more consistency on their hands, a little bit better leadership and experience, discipline. It's going to be a tough one, uh, but I, I just get the sense that K-State's got enough kind of intangibles um, between the ears to, to get out of Ames and, and escape with a W. And that's all you can ask for. It doesn't matter how you win. I know to, to fans, you'd, you'd like to see a dominant performance. Chris Kleiman would like to see a dominant performance, especially uh, against the staff that I'm just going to say it. I think he he's really itching <laughs> to, to run it up on. Um, but I, I don't know if, I don't know if they'll get that luxury, but I do feel like this is one case state should get the W. Well, I know one group that'll bring it's full force. And that'll be these Iowa State fans. Great fans up there. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Wally, does the, do the Cats find a way to win this game and get home at 5-1 and one heading into their off week? 
I think they do. And, and again, I just think it goes back to in what manner do they do it? You know, do we go into the off week uh, looking at uh, preparing for a TCU team that could be coming off a college game day win at that, um, but looking at a TCU team that um, is dangerous, but you're feeling a little bit better because K-State's parts are coming together and they finally get some rest. Do we see K-State go into that bye week with a win, but in another kind of performance that has a lot of question marks around either execution or play calling or worse off, do we see K-State going into that bye week, you know, a little bruised, a little battered from uh, an upset win or an upset loss uh, in Ames against, you know, an Iowa State team that, again, we all kind of collectively believe they should be better than. I mean, it, this is... Iowa State every year, it seems like, Fitz, is kind of one of those turning point games. And I think this year it's a turning point in the sense of, again, proving that K-State not only is as good as they as they can be, but as complete a team as they can be. Well, it's Iowa State and Kansas State, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday up in Ames. And that was Ryan Wallace who helped us prepare for this game. Wally, I'm, I'm really intrigued. And what's, I'm just looking at the schedule. You get the... You get the off week, and then you have to go to TCU. Then you play Oklahoma State. Then you play Texas. So you got to go to Baylor. What the hell? There's no. There's just nothing acceptable <laughs> about this schedule. Every every game is a circus. You do get to go to West Virginia, but then even ending the season with Kansas, that ain't what we thought it was going to be. It's awful fun to cover football in the Big Twelve. Love Big 12 football, and it never disappoints. We'll be right back on the PowerCat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Brian Hanley is standing by. We also have our interview of the week with a K-State player. I am Fitz, and we will be right back. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Well, it's time for our weekly interview segment as we wrap up the first half of this Kansas State season with this preview of Iowa State and K-State game number six for the Cats before an off week. Let's bring in a guy that is always colorful. He's the guy that Chris Kleiman wants to handle onside kicks, and yet he didn't handle it so well. And yes, I asked Cade Warner, Kansas State receiver, former Nebraska receiver, about that and so much more. Here is me and others in a media scrum with the one and only Cade Warner. Cade, is this a game where the passing game may need to come in to focus a little bit sharper than it has been? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're a very talented opponent. Um, we've seen their through three stack defense before, and I think that we uh, have done a good job attacking in our practices. And so I think definitely anytime you can get the passing game going, it definitely helps. But when Adrian Deuce run for a touchdown every other carry, you know, we're, we'll do our part. What is that? Uh, you know, go get your blocks, but then watch those guys just break free like that. Oh, it's a blast. I mean, it's, obviously it happened so many times this last game. Um, even the ones that got called back, you kind of go and you run, and you see him running 40 yards down. And from a slow guy like me, <clears throat> I'll meet him on the sideline um, and cheer for him there. 
Um, but it's awesome to see him break away and, and, and run all the way down. You played with him at Nebraska. Did you ever did you see this level of, of rushing that we've seen the last two weeks from? Yeah, he's always been explosive. He's always been fast. He's always been able to hit that next gear and get away. Um, but he's definitely playing with a newfound confidence now. And I think with our offense running those quarterback powers and putting him in those positions to just go downhill um, and just kind of read a block and hit it um, really helps his style of play. Kate, who's the fastest guy in the wide receiver unit? Fastest guy in the wideout unit? Um, not me. Um, Malik would say it's him. He's definitely a speedster. We got some fast guys. Seth Porter's fast up there, too. Um, but I think so Malik doesn't fight me, I'll, I'll say Malik. <laughs> uh, Want to talk about the onside kick? Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I can, have, I can sit up here and have excuses. You know, I thought it was going to be a boomerang. I thought, you know, this and that. But um, no, I just decided to headbutt it and, and give him a chance to win the game. What do you think about this rivalry? What does this game mean to you guys? And I guess, when did you learn about that? Adrian made a joke about that Midwest rivals have to revolve around crops. He said, right? Yeah, I've been seeing that. Honestly, I just saw that now that like we're boycotting corn and wheat over corn or something like that. And so I'm just starting to get more and more into the rivalry now. But uh, from all the players, I've heard that they don't like to lose this team. Um, I think they've lost in the last two years. And obviously, I was a part of last year's loss, too. And so uh, any loss hurts, but especially the Midwest rivalry, it hurts a lot. You like Farmageddon? Yeah, I saw that too. I'm just trying to figure out what all these these terms are. And so if, the more you guys can help me out with this with these rivalry terms, it would help. But uh, that's definitely a good nickname for it. In 2020, it was a really ugly loss for, for K-State against Iowa State. Have you heard guys talking about that? Has that come up that, that those guys, you know, that left a sour taste in their mouth and they want to kind of get some revenge? Yeah, 100%. And that was on their home field. Um, and so this is the first time for them going back there, correct? And so I'm um, talking to those guys and, and just – hearing what that game was like, um, they're excited and they're motivated to go out there this Saturday. How much room does the wide receiver unit have to grow? Oh, a ton. I mean, um, we obviously want to have a greater impact on the game, right? That's what you kind of play the game for is to have a, a solid impact to positively impact the game. Uh, I think there's definitely room to grow. I think there's room to grow um, in our route running and our depths and our detail. And I think that hopefully we'll be able to show it this Saturday. That was Cade Warner, Kansas State's senior receiver, talking about this game, the last game, and doing all things Cade. He's always entertaining. And speaking of entertaining, Brian Hanley is with us. Big B, former K-State offensive <laughs> lineman. Brian, I love this series. This series between Kansas State and Iowa State has really turned into something kind of cool. And uh, Iowa State's been on top of it the last few years, including kicking Kansas State's butt all over the field last time they were in Ames and then winning last year here in Manhattan. But this team has lost most of the players that were key in those decisions. This is a different matchup. Give me your overall thoughts on this collision between the Cats and Clones. Well, it's kind of what you said. It's kind of a different matchup on their end because they've they've lost a lot of guys and they've had a lot of success against us the last few years. So um, I, I think it's a game that K-State should win, uh, but it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a really physical game, to be honest. I think it's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a close game, a tough game, but I think it'll be a good game. You know, there's sometimes there's tough games and physical games that aren't very good. I think this is going to be a well-played football game. Uh, I just think we're better. I think you were just talking about Iowa State's loss last Saturday at Kansas. It was an entertaining game, and the fact that it was close, and it was 14-11 was the final in favor of Kansas. Iowa State screwed up on special teams so many times. KU won, but that wasn't a good game. That was not an entertaining game in many ways. It was an ugly game. I don't know that it was all because the defenses were so stout. I just don't think either team executed very well. If Iowa State plays like this, plays like that in this game, it won't be close. They were not very good at Kansas, but this is going to be different. They're at home. It's at night. They're in black. They Everything they love, and they're playing K-State. But, boy, they were not good against KU. No, they weren't good at all. Uh, it's just what you said. If they're going to play like that against us, the game won't even be close. Uh, but I suspect they're going to put their best foot forward uh, and, and play one of their better games against us because that's just what they do. That's what this series brings out. And to be honest, 
I think we want that. We want them to play their best game and us to just come out and beat them. How horrified do you think Matt Campbell was by his special teams play? They had mistake after mistake. In fact, as I pointed out repeatedly, they screwed up a snap on their only touchdown, ended up with a two-point conversion, which seemed good, but I think it led to more trouble because then they kept trotting their field goal kicker out there to try to tie it at 14-11. They had it at 14-8. They added a field goal. They couldn't get the second one and poor guy missed three on the game if they don't have the two-point conversion they're going for touchdowns and I I feel like that that first screw up that even though they got something good out of it really messed them up for the rest of the game they can't settle in this game they have to pick up first downs and touchdowns against these cats yeah they have to do that um, because I believe our offense is going to put a lot of pressure on them we just will uh, being able to attack at different levels uh, different ways. We're, they're just going to have to play better on special teams because that, that was pathetic. And I blame Matt Campbell. There was zero chance that that kid was going to go make that kick at the end of the game. I don't care if it was a three-yard field goal. He wasn't going to make it. And for him to trot him out there in those circumstances, and I get it. Hey, it's his job. He's got to make it. It's you know, It was a short kick, and it was. But he had already missed. He, he just wasn't going to make it. And so I blame him. So if he wants to dig deep and, and understand, hey, take a look in the mirror sometimes because coaching it sometimes is you got to get out of get the kids out of their own way, put them in positions to succeed. And he didn't do that the other day. Uh, so they're probably taking a huge look. They may even come up with a different kicker. Who knows? But they're going to have to score touchdowns against K-State. This can't be a game where they're trying to settle for field goals because if they are, they're going to get blown out. I tell you what, the poor kid's a freshman. I hope he didn't get destroyed by what happened to him. But you're right. There is no way that no coach on that sideline didn't see the look of terror in his eyes when they trotted him out there the last time because he kicked that ball like um, like me on the 18th hole trying to drive after losing 17 balls in the previous 17 holes. It's like, I'm going to hit this thing and let's get out of here. I I need a drink, which he's not even old enough to do. But yeah, Matt Campbell, he's a guy that puts it all out there. He supports his players. He fights for them. I think sometimes he gets distracted with the task at hand uh, by, you know, having so many meltdowns with officials. But He's done a good job with Iowa State, but this is a transition year for the Cyclones. They lost so much talent they've had over the last two years, including Brees Hall, who tormented K-State as a kid out of Wichita who is an NFL running back at a high level. This team's different, though, Brian. They're going to try to attack K-State, maybe throwing the ball a little bit more. They've got some injuries in the backfield. Hunter Decker's their quarterback. The lefty completes about 70% of the passes. He wasn't good against Kansas, but he has been good getting the ball outside. I'm not sure how K-State is going to try to attack Iowa State, but, Brian, they will attack Iowa State. Hunter Decker's does not operate well under pressure, and they need to throw the ball. Yeah, absolutely. They got to throw the football. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we keep saying the same things every week. They're going to attack us. We're going to attack them. I just think this is just a game where we just have to be 100% full steam ahead because I, I don't know. I saw them last week. I, I just don't think Iowa State's that good. And maybe I'm wrong. I just don't believe that they're that good. I think they're going to put their best foot forward against us. Don't get me wrong. But I just believe I, I just don't think that they're, that they're that good. I think K State has a huge advantage in this game this week. I, I just do. I, I, and again, I know that's me being biased. I just believe that we're a much better football team than they are. I, I would agree with you. And it will be interesting to see how much pressure they bring. They brought so much pressure last week against Donovan Smith, the Texas Tech quarterback. Different yes. quarterbacks, but I feel like they're going to approach this the same way. Try to keep him bottled up, squeeze that pocket, bring Felix Anyuduke Uzama off one side, probably Khalid Duke off the other. Try not to get beat with quick, short passes. Um, it's it's going to be a chess game. This game really, truly will be a chess game between coaches trying to make in-game adjustments. And one thing Iowa State's defense, as we flip it over, does well is they do take away the quarterback run. They did eliminate J- Jalen Daniels from Kansas's running game for the most part. But I also feel like K-State goes about it in a different way and is going to put stress on this defense that they haven't seen. Can K-State run the ball against this very stout Iowa State run defense? 
Well, we're going to have to because it opens up other things. But what I believe that we're going to have to do early is throw the ball to get to the run because you know they're going to put as many guys in the box as they possibly can to stop it early. So to loosen that up, we're going to have to throw it early to be able to run the ball. And I think, you know, by doing that and having success and throwing it down the field some, again, loosen them up, have success to be able to run the ball, you know, middle of the second quarter, third quarter, and then just literally wear them down at the end of the game. But I I just think we're going to have to run it early because they're going to come out and say, absolutely not make us throw it. They're going to do that. So we got to be able to do it to just say, you know what, if you want to be here, we're going to throw it over your head. And I I just, I I believe that's going to happen. I think we can run it, but I think we're going to have to throw the ball early to be able to run it. Yeah. You know, the old adage adage is you have to establish a run to establish the play action fake to, to get the ball downfield. But I don't feel like that's true in this game. They're going to be so loaded up on the run that play action fake will work from the first play of the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what they do because Chris Kleiman didn't hide his cards. And maybe that was a gamesmanship in itself by saying, we're going to need to throw the ball. It's coming. Eventually someone will solve this option read that K-State is using at a high level right now. Eventually someone will figure out a way to to solve this. And Kleiman mentioned they use their safeties a little bit different than other teams, including Kansas State, to support against the quarterback run. But Adrian Martinez is going to have to throw the ball with accuracy, period. End of story. Kleiman knows it. Iowa State knows it. And Adrian Martinez probably knows it. It's going to have to get the ball downfield 10 15 yards to keep those linebackers and safeties off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to be on his game throwing the football. Um, But I know we say it every week and I'm going to continue to say it. We got to put him in a good position to be able to do that. So we got to have a good game plan, you know, keep things off balance, run it when, you know, when we think we should throw, throw when you think we should run, you know, run some different route combinations, but Adrian Martinez has to be accurate with the football and give guys a chance. And again, maybe just throw it down the field, you know, 30, 40 yards, you know, on a go route, just to throw it, just to say, Hey, we'll do it. You know, even though we may not do it often, but just to let you know that it's in our arsenal. So you have to cover it, but he's gotta be, he's gotta be accurate. We're going to have to throw the football because again, Iowa state's going to be there to stop the run early. And if we want to be able to run the ball and do the things that we do, you gotta be able to throw it. Yeah, they really will have to throw it. And, uh, you know, Brian, I didn't think K-State would be in this situation going into this game. Lose to Tulane. I thought the season had come to the verge of unraveling before it really even got started. But here they are. They're 4-1. and one. This is where I thought they would be going to Ames. They got here in a different way. And in a weird way, I had attached a loss at Oklahoma and not to Tulane, of course. But by reversing those, they're now unbeaten in the conference. As you look around this league and you see Iowa State struggling, Oklahoma struggling, some teams that we thought would be pretty bad are actually pretty good. KU, TCU, Tech. This league is wide open, absolutely wide open. Is Kansas State in a position where if they can start amping up their play with this game, because I think they're going to have to play at a higher level than we've seen uh, in the past, including maybe even Oklahoma, which might be trash, um, that K-State, if they turn up the knob just a little bit, could be the best team in this conference. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're right in the thick of it. And the Big 12, like you said, is completely wide open. But we're right in the thick of this thing. I mean, if we put our best foot forward, we got some tough games coming up. There's no question about that. We do. But you know what? We're also the tough game on us, somebody else's schedule, too. And, and we got to look at it that way. We are the tough game on somebody else's schedule as well. We go and handle business. I, I, we're going to be right there at the end. I just believe that we are. I, I believe that our defense is that physical enough and we do enough on offense, especially running the football. If we can throw the football a little bit more with more accuracy, you know, then I, I really believe that the sky's the limit for this football team, man. I really, really do. Yeah, I do too. I think they haven't even began to realize how good they could be because as good as the defense has been at times, they've also given up some points. I think they'll probably feel pretty good about themselves coming out of this game. I can't imagine Iowa State is going to put up a ton of points. They did score 42 against Southeast Missouri. Congratulations. They scored 10 to beat 
Iowa. They scored 43 against Ohio. They scored 24 at home in losing to Baylor. And then, of course, they scored 11 losing on the road. They have had problems scoring on the road, but they're at home. How many points do you think K-State needs to score to put this game out of reach from this Iowa State offense? Um, you know, it's tricky because it's just what you said. We've given up some points, but I think the teams that we've played against have more explosive offenses than Iowa State. So if K-State gets to 30, I think they win. Yeah, I think if, if K-State gets to 30, I mean, I, I venture to say 27. But if we get to 30, I, I think it's a victory. One aspect that we haven't brought up, and we've really gotten nothing out of them in the last few games, is special teams. Yeah. And we're not talking about the return game. We haven't gotten anything out of that. It's another thing that K-State prides itself on, that, it, but it hasn't been that we've been bad. Teams have just taken it away by kicking it away from us and not allowing us to do a whole lot in that aspect. So look for special teams to, to come up big in this game. I, I think that Iowa State's arrogant enough to think, oh, they can't return anything on us and give us an opportunity that we need to take advantage of. Yeah, Oklahoma did that once. They kicked it once to Malik Knowles. That's and right. 50 plus yards. There you go. Tulane <laughs> did a great job taking special teams out. Uh, I thought Texas Tech did a good job. You just kind of surrender in, in special teams yep. for the most part. You kick it away from people. You kick it out of bounds. You better have a, a place kicker that can kick it through the end zone on kickoffs or Malik Knowles will cash that in. I agree. I I think with what K-State saw on special teams, they're going to come after Iowa State on special teams in a big way. And if their place kicker puts the ball in play or their punter to Phillip Brooks, it could be big trouble. That shouldn't be an issue for a good coach. And that's I, I don't understand why Iowa State was so bad in special teams. To me, that's a sign of coaching. That's not seeing yeah. all the details. That's just seeing the big picture and not getting down there, which hasn't been Matt Campbell's MO. He's been a pretty good overall coach. Um, but the good news for Iowa State is um, this is not going to be a season when anyone in Nebraska wants to hire your head coach. I no. mean, honestly, you can't have a bad season for Nebraska to want your coach. I think I think Matt no. Campbell's going to be in, uh, in Ames for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, here's the thing. I mean, for the, how many years in a row has his name come up in a job, you know, that that's free? And then he stays at Iowa State. I mean, it seems like every opening, every year, his name comes up. And I'm like, sooner or later, either he just wants to stay or he, he wants to leave. Because I would think as an Iowa State, you know, alum, Iowa State fan, I would get tired of it mm-hmm. of, because his name is getting out there. It's not that people are just putting his name out there. He's getting his name out there. Let's just be honest about all that. When your name comes up for a job, it's because you've been contacted, your agent's been contacted, and they're allowing your name to get put out there. People aren't just speculating like that. So his name constantly comes up. Well, this is not one of those years to where people are throwing his name out there. I think people are just, hey, he's going to stay. And I just think he needs to stay at Iowa State. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Iowa State. I mean, build the program, do what you do. He's he's done a decent job. I'm not as high as some people are on him, but he has built them up. I'll give him credit because Iowa State was horrible, horrible. And he has built them into more than a respectable program. So I give him kudos for that. But it's just what you said. This, you know, this isn't the year that somebody's going to want to hire him away. I wouldn't think, but who knows? I mean, this maybe this is the year. You know, we've been thinking he's going to get a job all these other years and leave. And then the one year that we don't think he's going to, this will be the year that he leaves. <laughs> well, a big part of that might be if he can knock off Kansas State coming into this game, ranked 20th in the country, Iowa State needing a victory desperately at 0-2 in the Big 12. The Cats, of course, are 2-0 in the Big 12. Brian, thank you very much. And on Sunday morning, we will reconvene for the post-game podcast as we wrap up the Cats and Clones. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Let's pivot over to Chris Kleiman real quick. And it's here. Nice little concise comment here from Coach as he talks about this game with Iowa State. And after that, we bring in Ryan Gilbert. Take it away, Chris Kleiman. Every week's going to be different and how teams are trying to attack us, just like how we're trying to attack other teams. You know, you're going to be strong in some areas and it's us having the ability to find whatever that, that not that weakness is, whatever uh, that area is that we can attack. And obviously 
for us moving forward is it going to be the throw game. You know, um, when you play so much what we would call single high, um, you're short in the quarterback run game. Uh, and when you play more split safety looks, which is what Iowa State does, even though it's three across, just like us, you you would you tend to account for the quarterback more in that in those split safety looks. And so we have to be able to um, have our passing game in in a plan based on what we see from them to be efficient, uh, to be explosive at times, but more than anything, um, to be able to um, help us uh, if people are going to try to put everybody in the box to stop the, run, the running game with the quarterback and the running back. And now we bring in the one and only Ryan Gills Gilbert to talk about sports betting, the basis of all of his existence. Existence, not easy for me to say. Gills, how you doing? Are you doing okay? You good? I'm good. It sounds like, based off of what you've been telling me, that sports betting is the basis of your existence now, too. Am I wrong? Uh, my wife listens to this, so I'm not going to reply to that. <laughs> I do need some help this week. I have not placed any of my bets for my picks at Go Cat because I, I don't like this week of games. They have not made this easy on me. I have told you about the one parlay I bet that I will lose, but if I don't, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm buying myself something pretty. But there are four games in the Big 12. My parlay involves the other three games. I won't discuss it because it's so stupid. Nobody would believe it. But let's start with the big game of the week in the league. And I think we can all agree that this game has national implications, certainly possibly Big 12 title implications. Also, college game days there. And, of course, we're not talking about the Red River rivalry. We're talking about, of course, TCU at Kansas. I don't know how we got here so quickly now that Kansas is 5-0. and They get to have college game day. But good for the Jayhawks. Nice win over Iowa State. I called it. You didn't. Ha. But um, TCU is a seven-point favorite at Kansas. I don't know what to do with this. I have been winning with KU. This pains me to say, but I don't want to turn my back on the Jayhawks right now. Well, KU is 5-0 and not only straight up this season, but they're also 5-0 and against the spread. Thank you. So clearly Vegas has not caught up, for the public, I guess I should say, has not caught up to to Kansas you know, playing good. I think we talked about this last week as well. Uh, I mean, I, I think this is going to be the same thing I said last week, really. I, I don't feel comfortable placing money on Kansas, but if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? Okay. I, I think KU is going to come back down to earth at some point. It's just a matter of when, but TCU doesn't strike me as a team that can blow them out. Maybe a KU team in the past, but, you know, I think this KU team, I don't want to say they got exposed on Saturday against Iowa State, but that's not a game they should have won. No, uh, Iowa State really just shot themselves in the foot, you know, missed a handful of field goals, and KU was lucky to come out of there with the win. They got the win. They made the plays. I don't want to take anything away from it, but... I'm really going to stay away from this one just because it's Kansas. I want to bet on them, but but like I said, it's Kansas. Right. And I don't think it's fair to say Iowa State shot themselves in the foot because if it was their special teams doing the shooting, they would have missed the foot. That's <laughs> just how it went <laughs> for Iowa true. State. It's true. The game that uh, is the back burner, even though nobody told ABC slash ESPN, the Red River rivalry at the Cotton Bowl. Texas is a seven-point favorite over Oklahoma. I don't see that happening, but I also, again, help me. I have no understanding how these teams will fit together because it usually is chaos. I, I just get this weird feeling Oklahoma's going to win big, but I can't bet that either. Isn't it crazy that most people around the country are going to be watching Kansas and TCU instead of Oklahoma-Texas? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's clearly the better game, but... With, with this Oklahoma team, uh, what are you going to get at quarterback? There's so many question marks, let alone the fact that they've lost, you know, the first two conference games. I don't think Texas is that good either. I guess if you're confident fits, sure, with Oklahoma. But, uh, again, with that KU-TCU game, I don't feel confident one way or another. Yeah, I'm with you. There's too many question marks, really. I just want them both to lose. Come on. Can we have that for one game? Yeah, just tie after five hours and they all start fainting from exhaustion. I'm in. I like it a lot. Oklahoma State is playing host to Texas Tech that was just here, just lost by nine here in Manhattan last week. And now they are nine and a half point 
underdogs on the road at Oklahoma State. Tech, OSU, what say you? Well, first of all, what was K-State? Eight and a half at home? Yeah. And now Oklahoma State's just a point better than that, nine and a half? What After that a Tech loss. K-State? Yeah, I know. Right? Texas Tech, look, I said this after that game here in Manhattan. The the Red Raiders lost the turnover battle 4-1 to one against K-State. You look at the NC State loss, it was the exact same thing, 4-1 to one in favor of NC State in the turnover battle. And Texas Tech, that's kind of the way they play. They take chances, they move fast, and when things don't go right, they, they go terribly wrong with some of the stuff we saw on Saturday, you know, going for it on fourth. Um, Texas Tech, when things go right, though, I mean, this is a, a not a guaranteed win by any means for Oklahoma State. I like Texas Tech here to play competitively and keep it close. And, you know, more than a touchdown, I think that's just too much for me. And so I like Texas Tech. Okay, I'm going to discuss the parlay because in discussing this with you, I – I'm feeling differently about my parlay. And, folks, my parlay was all three of those dogs win, KU, Oklahoma, and Tech. I almost feel better about Tech now winning at Oklahoma State than Oklahoma beating Texas with no quarterback. Now I feel bad about my pick. Well, at the same time, though, don't it's fair to say some teams rally around a backup mm-hmm. quarterback and play with more energy. So you never know. Yep, you never know. That's going to be money that my wife won't be happy about. Anyhow, K-State is a two-point favorite at Iowa State. It's Farmageddon. Um, plow this up for me. That didn't quite work. Uh, farm out some ideas on, I don't know, just talk. Next, next yeah. one. That wasn't good yeah. enough. Uh, I think if most people watch Iowa State play, like last week against Kansas, you're thinking, oh, wow, this team is awful. And, again, I'm not trying to defend Iowa State, but they're a better team than what you saw in Lawrence on Saturday. It's interesting. You look at the public here, 82% of the bets on K-State, 94% of the money on K-State to cover. So, clearly, Vegas wants you to keep riding on K-State. And uh, which which K-State team are you going to get, Fitz? That's kind of going to be the question for the rest of the season, really. Martinez, at some point, is going to have to throw the football. Is it on Saturday? It it might not be. They might do enough on the ground comfortably to win that game. But at some point, this offense is going to have to to really step up. And the passing game is going to have to flip the switch just as much as the running game has over the last couple weeks. I like K-State here. I'm trying to talk myself out of it. But I just think this team's in in good spirits right now. Uh, After that, you know, I guess what halftime motivation speech from climbing that we're hearing about from these players. uh, I think they got their wake up call and they come out, you know, with a win. And I don't see this team playing um, unprepared for at least a few weeks. So they had that against Tulane. They had it against Texas Tech and they came out and responded. So. They're going to be ready for this one. You know, when's the last time? It's been a few years since K-State's beaten Iowa State. I think they're hungry. It's not a huge rivalry. I don't want to make it anything more than it is. It's just another college football game, really. really? But Ames is a tough place to play. You know, the home the home field advantages is a thing there with their home, you know, grass that they play on. So, at the end of the day, I like K-State, but I, I'm not overly confident with the Wildcats here. Really? Just another game. It's damn Farmageddon. Golly, I didn't put wheat or corn or whatever that was in my in my Twitter name. Uh, you would put you. wheat. You probably Well, it's conflicting with my Chipotle order. I just had Chipotle before we got, we hopped on the phone here, so I love corn in my bowl. I don't know what I would do. Okay. 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 That that makes sense. That's fine. One bonus game. I don't know what to I just think this game is fascinating. Um BYU and Notre Dame are meeting in the holiest of all cities, Las Vegas. BYU is a three-and-a-half-point underdog, but they're like a 17-point favorite based on uniforms. Did you see their uniform reveal, the black and the blue? And, oh, boy. Oh boy. Fitz, you know my take oh, on uniforms. Oh, my gosh. You know. Don't oh, even ask me. my gosh. What do you think about the actual game, though? Oh, I'll take BYU. I mean, what the heck has Notre Dame done this I know. Season? Seriously. Oh, I, I mean— from what we've seen of BYU, I think we've got we've got to represent the the, the future Big Twelve, don't we? Yeah, huh? I'll take BYU. I will. I, I don't see Notre Dame. Okay. I, I just want them to to fail. I really do. I will be putting a significant wager on the Cougars and telling my wife Ryan Gilbert told me to do that. Well, your wife doesn't listen to this, does she? Mm, probably. 
Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Much appreciated. I hope my bank account um, does better this week. I hope you do too, but not as much as I hope I do well. That's how that works. It's K-State and Iowa State. It's Farmageddon. It's 6.30 p.m. at Jack Tri Stadium up in Ames on Saturday. It'll be on ESPNU if you're channel surfing looking for the Cats. I love this series so much, and I love that it's become a nice little rivalry. It's kind of a family-friendly rivalry for the most part. But as I do every week, here's the one thing that K-State must do to win this game. And that is exactly what we've talked about. Find a way to throw the ball with effect. It doesn't mean that you throw the ball a lot. It doesn't mean that you throw the ball downfield 60 yards, 30 yards repeatedly. It means you throw the ball enough and efficiently enough to have an effect on Iowa State's defense and how they want to defend you. Make them worry that that ball over the middle will end up going for 50 yards. Make them worry that they're going to get a receiver behind them if they continue to bite down on fakes. Make them worry about things that will transition how they handle the passing game. And again, that will open up the running game even more. Complimentary football. Got to balance that run and pass. And everyone in purple seems to know this is probably the game where the passing game is going to have to help the running game. Because so far this season, for the most part, the running game has been highly effective without a consistent passing game. We saw a little bit of it at Oklahoma. Can K-State return to that and continue to move the ball and score points by balancing the run and the pass? That's it for this week's edition of the Powercat pregame podcast. Again, I just love our sponsor so much. They do so much for K-State sports, and they're a wonderful place to buy a car. Because at Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. It's Robbins Motor Company title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. As I mentioned earlier, Brian Hanley and I will get back together on Saturday morning before we leave the central Iowa region to head home. Maybe possibly, probably after a K-State victory, but the PowerCat post-game review podcast will show up on Sunday at GoPowerCat. For the entire crew at GoPowerCat.com, I am GoPowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and in this case, I'll see you at Jack Trice, and watch for me crossing that beautiful bridge. I'm going to take photos. I'm going to take photos of everyone who goes. It's exciting. The Cats and Clones, Saturday night in Ames. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.